Wait for it. Oh, like angels they sound. I felt like I was singing with angels as they sang my name at the end of the theme song for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. That's a beautiful, what amazing theme song you wrote and produced and uh, brought out into the world. Like wonderful angels here on a Sunday. November 3rd, uh, 2019, we are broadcasting, streaming live on mutinyradio.fm, and we also have a podcast by our acronym, L-W-F-L-L-M-O-Y-T, right? Well, you said it kind of funny, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Okay, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube, and that's also our acronym on Twitter and uh, YouTube. We have a good YouTube channel. Carl, uh, we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. What movie are we watching today? Today we are watching The Pompatists of Love. The Pompatists of Love, and that's what you put in your search engine. Oh, hang on a second. I might be ignorant, but how do you spell Pompatus? Good, good question. It's pomp like pomp and circumstance. P okay. stands P-O-M-P, and then it's A-T-U-S. P-O-M-P-A-T-U-S. So the it's Pompatus the pomp of Love, at 1996. Okay, 1996. Pomp, ah, right. right. <laughs> May we never say that again. Uh, who is hosting the Palm Patos of um, JoJo? That is the channel's name, JoJo. Oh, sounds like a delightful channel. I should subscribe. Uh, in the meanwhile, I did pause it. I said to zero. I hope you guys uh, are doing it right now. We'll give you a couple seconds. Great. I'm glad you guys are on board. Oh, he wants you to uh, have it on zero, zero and pause. And Wait, hold on. There's one more in the back that did. Okay, they got it. They all right. Got it. Okay. There. All right. Okay. Paul pointed them out. Okay. I'm very excited to have We're Paul Rumba here in the studio. He hosts the previous uh, podcast uh, called The Edge of Sanity, which you can find on iTunes or you can listen to us uh, prior to our show streaming live. A uh, whole entertainment day of Sundays on Muni Radio, Edge of Sanity uh, at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Paul, I'm thrilled to have you do the countdown. I'm thrilled to do it, but I have to ask one question of Carl. Carl, how many different versions of the theme song of the show have you ever done? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, there was that. Yeah, with the great question. Six? Six, I think. I think we're on six. No way. There's Let's Watch Full (laughs) Length Movie. There's three versions of that. There's a short one, and there's one without the intro, and then there's one with Carl saying, Hi, I'm Carl. Because I I wasn't paying Carl. I wanted him to promote himself and get his... uh, But it seems like every week there's a tweak. We'll have to ask that. You'll have to come on the show. We keep saying that. I love talking about these songs. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that. And then you had that like uh, folky, punk-rocky one. Where it was like, a, let's watch yeah, yeah. a full length YouTube. By the way, it's, if you if you're free next Sunday, I want to schedule you next Sunday. We'll talk when I'm not on your show and okay. you don't have to play next this two hour long movie. Here we go. All right, okay. you guys know the drill. It's time to do that. You put your hand over that little triangle and let's do this thing in three, two, one, go. I'm scared, Carl. That's right. It's a BMG Independence and a counterproduction. Wow, yeah, those BMT guys films. were the people who used to send you CDs. Remember, Mike? Every you would join the CD club for a penny. Yeah. Oh, the Columbia Books and Records. Oh yeah, names? I still own a penny. They still call me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're pen That's pals. BG. BGP. Okay, here we go. All right, here we go. New York City, and I'm a young guy with a paperback. <laughs> well, there's too many young guys. Who are they talking to? I didn't even know you called. 
They're talking to you, the audience. Uh-huh. They're pretending they're talking Prior. to a lover, explaining themselves. I'm sorry I didn't call you. You won't believe what happened. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I was cheating on you. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, is that what they're talking about? It's so weird. So they're in Hollywood and New York City? or they're, York No, they're City, still in yeah. Los Angeles, right? They're New York and L.A. A lot of Malibu Beach there. And um, the one uh, the one who was in funeral and a wedding, what was it, four funerals and a wedding, three funerals and a wedding? He wow. seems to be like in the Pine Barrens, see? Huh. I don't think I've ever seen four four funerals and a wedding. Here it is. Four weddings and a funeral. Oh, you never saw that? That movie is good. All right. Yeah. Unlike this movie, that movie is good. This movie's giving me epileptic fits. (laughs) Oh, and you'll see that throughout. They all, they do that throughout the entire film. Uh, Quick cuts and other people answer each other's questions. Okay. Here's the uh, music which this title is referenced to. Nope. Nope. Can't not do that for the opening credits. We'll hear it in the bar scene right now in okay, the opening. Okay, cool. So they did pay for this song. That was a big contention of mine that they couldn't afford to pay for the song, the Steve Miller song that's based on. This was a low-budget film, and they still managed to pay Steve Miller. Well, that's because they only played one game of pool, saving uh, the crew like twice <laughs> the budget. Right. Yeah. You have to sink those quarters. <laughs> How do you cheat on that? Like you just dilly dally. Like, when I play pool, I never get the balls in there anyway, so I'm generally just killing time. <laughs> We've been hogging the table all night. They've only made, you know, four quarters. Yeah. Uh, we are, they're, they're chit-chatting like it's a Tarantino movie. Well, this is the womanizer of the film, um, and he's try, he's chit-chatting a girl, of course. Oh, yeah. got to play him up. Hey, do you like uh, Satra? Me too. Oh, I see. I never heard of him. You could explain him to me. You might know him as Sartre. Is it really Sartre? <laughs> yeah, if you speak French. Oh, well, I do. I should. I don't know if I speak French. <laughs> oh, my God. So they're just kind of. So they're talking about girls, right? So right. they're talking about the pompousness of love. I guess you could listen to this part. All right. They're like, what's he say? You know, and they're the pom-poms of love. They're going through jokes. Well, these are all the jokes I have. Oh, I see. Could be prophylactic of love. I hear, I miss hearing Steve Miller songs all the time. I always thought it was, <laughs> fly to the kitchen. No, it was, uh, into the kitchen. <laughs> into the kitchen. Boing, boing. You hear the pots and pans. Yeah, right. Fly That's a, like a eagle fly. into the kitchen. I was like, whoa. But I never really, I don't think I, I, I the pompous love, that has like a whistle in that song. Like there's so much shit going on, I don't even remember the words. <laughs> well, the thing is that actually, he's mentioning one of his earlier songs called Enter Maurice. In which, you know, the phrase space cowboy and gangster of love, they're in that song. Right. And he says this line, uh, enter Maurice, says this line, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, My dearest darling, come closer to Maurice so I can whisper words of epistemology in your ear and speak to you of the pompatus of love. It actually comes from an old uh, doo-wop song. Oh. A 1954 song in which they say pompatus. 
Oh, I see. So Steve Miller was referencing a doo-wop song, and these guys are just... He's never admitted it. He said, oh, it's just nonsense word that I made up. But there was a guy named Vernon Green. He was only 14 years old when he wrote the song The Letter uh, in a band called The Medallions. I don't know them. But in 1990, he got with... Oh, I'm not sure of the year, but he said the word actually began with puppet, and it was a term he made up for like a secret paper doll fantasy figure who'd be everything and bear his children. He was wow. 14 years old. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I totally relate to him. Not even today. Is it the letter? <laughs> yeah, I always the wanted word? a paper doll. There was the, the Big Star song, the, My Baby, She Wrote Me a Letter. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It might be a different one. <laughs> that was about the Vietnam War, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, Wolfman Jack also uses the term in his spoken line in the Guess Who's Clap for the Wolfman, which I looked up for this uh, yeah. um, so we play movie, that song? and it, it's a dud. Come on, everyone, let's clap for the Wolfman. <laughs> That's right. They were obviously Ow. trying to get airtime from a famous DJ. Would it be great if you like had a DJ song and it'll be like, "Hey guys, you should listen to me," right? Like, be like, "Hey, we're uh, you're listening to the ABC Hits. Here we go with our number one hit, <laughs> Wolfgang Jack says, listen to NBC. Let's go. Oh, so oh wait a minute. ABC. Oh darn. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, so yeah, there is a Steve woman. Steve Miller claim uh, it doesn't mean anything. It's just jive talk. Yeah, right. Right. So he he heard a fourteen year old uh, black performer do, do it, and he just stole it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was referencing a song. He didn't rip anybody off. Right. He was. Except, why doesn't he admit it? But yeah, I don't. I don't know. So can, um, John Cryer uh, yeah. was in post production for this, uh, and he heard about the letter during some TV interview. He tells the story. He called Vernon Green, uh, who was very much alive, uh, and he was – Vernon Green – no, no, it went the other way around. Vernon Green was watching YouTube, believe it or not, and he saw John Cryer mention the song and the name, so he called them, huh. uh, and he had never heard the Joker ever. Oh, that's strange. But he said, why, why is the Geico man, uh, Caveman doing a song about a movie based on a, a lyric from my song? So John Cryer was promoting the Pompatis of Love, and he was talking about where the song came from. He mentioned the letter and the medallions, and Vernon Green said, hey, that's me, and he called John Cryer. Wow. And John Cryer, he'd never heard the Steve Miller song. He didn't even know about it in 1990-whatever. Five, right? Well, let's see. Uh, and when, when John Cryer was doing promotion for this movie, uh, that was about a good solid eight months. On, it was on Good Morning America and, of course, The Tonight <laughs> Show. and that We just had pompous love mania. That was a long... So I'm, so, I'm shocked. I'm Actually, sorry. really the opposite. This this film toured all the, the um, festivals. Right. And it got, eh, you know, okay reviews. But then when it came time to do the, uh, to you know, find a promoter, Everyone rejected it because the brothers McMullen. This is like an ensemble, ensemble romantic comedy, and like eight of them came out at the same time. Uh, right. The brothers McMullen was the popular one. Beautiful girls, live nude girls, kicking and screaming. Uh, the TV series Friends. People were mentioning. No thanks. There's already stuff like that. I could see like I don't know if I love Friends so much. I would go see Friends the movie. This is uh -huh. probably the closest we can get. To 
Having friends, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, having friends. Well, I don't know what that's like, having friends. So Me we, neither. <laughs> I do like this. So this is going to be L.A. and then New York and fuck you fly-betweens. <laughs> Richard Schenkman is the guy who directed this, and he co-wrote it with John Cryer. Okay. And they made a bunch of independent films, and they're pretty much slammed. But Richard Schenkman was really mad about not getting picked up because of these other films, uh, because of the brothers McMullen and Friends. Yeah, you keep you know, okay, the brothers McMullen is, is uh, Edward Norton, right? The actor that was his film, mm-hmm. uh, Kicking and Screaming. There was a Will Ferrell movie with that title, but this one is a Noah Brumbaugh uh, art house movie. So these are all like established directors doing their well. They were hitting their stride, I guess, in '95. Uh, but they're art house chatty romantic movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, uh, okay, here's a quote from Shankman, right? Critics who say they don't understand how, critics who say that, like it's a ripoff or something, don't understand how long it takes to get an independent film made. How could these films be ripoffs of the Brothers McMillan? We were in production for too long. And the Friends banners, a generational thing. Everyone under 40 grew up on pop culture. We all recognize seminal touchstones. Who doesn't understand the Kirk-Spock dynamic, which they mention, or the Genie and Major Nelson relationship thing? Uh, I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who the people who were born in the last 30 years. It's, it's old, it's old <laughs> stuff. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's talking about Fibber, McGee, and Molly. I mean, it's, people aren't watching reruns of fucking... No, they're not. They're not home from school sick watching F Troop. Yeah, right. F Troop. Jesus Christ. I mean, you would only watch F Troop. You know what sticks nowadays is Bob Ross, the painter on PBS, just because his face has been (laughs) used, his uh, gifified, you know, it's been repurposed uh, to mean something else. And that's the longevity of it. But so if fucking F Troop doesn't get a meme or a a gif image that you can respond on a a message board, (laughs) then you're gone. You're dead. You forget about it. No one cares about it, you know. That's right. And that's fine. That's cultural appropriation we we like that we like we're talking over a movie right now we're part of this field but it's like uh this uh quest to absorb knowledge is daunting because if you really still have that passion you have to include youtube you have to include uh all this streaming shit and you know just just all this crazy stuff as well which is fine that's part of the fun of it but pop culture is has expanded beyond you know happy days and stuff like that so absolutely which is a shame because I love to talk to about people about happy days, especially the early Chuck Cunningham episodes where it wasn't so fonts heavy, but they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Nobody gets my jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm tell I'm at open mics going, Sit on it, Posse. You're right. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. And you can't say Google it because if they don't know it, they're not gonna Google it anyway. We are missing what's going on and I know, basically on it's purpose. the same old thing. Well, I mean there's the stock men, the stock premise that men don't understand what women want, and that's what this whole thing is about. It's, do they have day jobs? Do they have a mortgage? Do they have family? Yeah. Do they have? Yeah. Is there, no, one of them has a family. All right. Is is there going to be like something like their brother shows up and he needs money? Is there like a story going on, or is it just kind of? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. No, oh, no, no. Uh, there, there'll be individual stories. It's ensemble, and it's basically about the relationships each one has. We've got a writer, we've got a uh, playboy, we've got a married family man, 
and we've got a emotionally needy human sponge. Do you have and a, all their a married emotionally out. needy uh, sponge Playboy writer? Writer for Playboy? <laughs> yeah, if there was one writer, emotionally needy Playboy writer. <laughs> it, would just, it, would, it wouldn't be an ensemble picture anymore. We could do, this didn't need to be an ensemble. They could have been one. They all are sides of the same sort of... Um, I don't know. This is the... the it's like white people problems, you know. Well, this, like, well let's let's see. What's some? What's what, how can we circle back to one movie that this is based on? Like, I can think of about last night, which was based on a David Mamet film from the eighties of like mm-hmm. uh, sexual perversity in Chicago. It was called, and it was about different relationships. Uh, you had like uh, Love American Style, I guess, during the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then divorce Italian style. They made movies, you know. It, oh, I never heard of that. That's funny. Yeah, it's an Italian feature film. God, they—they're not talking. I thought there was something wrong with YouTube. Wait, they're all talking. No, they're not. Now they're talking again. Okay. Oh, oh, I see. You mean in the? <laughs> yeah, for like a split second, they stopped talking. This is how you talk to a cab driver in New York. Hey, buddy, I don't want you to go up Red Street. I want you to go up yeah. Hugh Street. Buddy, if I take Hugh Street, we'll get traffic on Crimson. Well, then take Burgundy. Wait a second. Are you, you're not, you're talking, you're not talking about New York Street. Yeah, there's Red, there's Burgundy, <laughs> there's Crimson, Crimson, there's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, take Folsom Street here. And... Kids today don't know streets in New York. Kids today, right? Yeah, yeah, there's all them the smartphones yeah. with the GPS. Kids today don't Look, know New Listen, it's do, not but... my movie. It was the six other similar movies released in the same eight-month span at the festivals. Now wait, now wait. Here is not Eddie Murphy. Okay. He'll be throughout the film. He's a saxophone player begging for money, and he is Charlie Murphy. Oh, it's Charlie Murphy. Oh, great. That's right. Good. I was hoping that we would have some wattage, some star power in this movie. Well, there's cameos in this film. Robert Downey Jr.? No. <laughs> he is a regular. Well, look, we should say that uh, John Cryer is a regular for us in O.C. and Stiggs. One That's of my right. favorites of yours. Yeah, I really love that movie. And he not only was great in that movie, but he tells great stories about that movie. I've, I've read review interviews uh-huh. with him, like in Premiere Magazine in the 80s and uh, 90s. And he even talks about it on TV. He, You could go online and he will t- be talking about his experience on O.C. and Stiggs with Robert Altman, including Altman climbing a tree and throwing uh, poop around everyone, like pigeon poop. <laughs> he... Um, uh... Right now they're searching for apartments, just so you know. For the, uh, it's boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're now they're going to live together. So we have this whole montage of them searching for apartments in New York City. Uh, I just want to, uh, yes, in New York City. What borough? Uh, Mike, I don't. <laughs> it's all Manhattan. Uh, is this it is Red Borough, you... Crimson Borough. <laughs> is it the Crimson it's, Borough? It's Kingsboro, Manhattan, Kingsboro. Kingsboro. Okay. Kingsboro, New York. Really? So there's Queens and then there's Kingsboro, a.k.a. Manhattan? Oh, yeah. There's no such borough as Manhattan. For some reason, people just call it that. It is Kingsboro. Oh, so there's Man- a, the city of Manhattan, I which guess. Is, which is part know. of Kingsboro. Mm-hmm. Wait, like two words? Like there's Queensboro 
That's two words. Wow, this Kingsley All boroughs are B-O-R-O. Staten Island is a borough. Uh, Queens is the name, and this one is called Kings. Okay. Did not know. In this, they do that uh, Times Square, fresh air. Uh, oh. I think it's, it's later in the... Yeah, but because so all right, so we gotta address the elephant in the room about this movie. This is like a Generation X slacker film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's uh, people either approaching thirty or before their thirties, and they they do talk about pop culture references that any yeah. anyone growing up watching TV would know. So, and they dress kind of slackery. He's got the so strange because when I watch Two and a Half Men, which I tend to do. He is like the he's a professional. He's completely clean shaven. He just mm-hmm. stands there with short hair and just delivers. And yeah. here he's got this soulful goatee going. Well, he's a therapist in the movie. He's he's a therapist. Oh well, you know you should still you know shave. I guess that's a good therapist look. <laughs> um, Manhattan Kingsborough therapist. Oh. Okay, now we're at a strip club and the very famous. Uh, uh, Roscoe Lee Brown is a patron. Who? Roscoe Lee Brown. You've seen his face in a million movies. And he was born in Woodbury, New Jersey. Oh, another borough. Well, let's take a listen. Oh, no. Then they're still talking. Well, Josh is, it's going to happen throughout this whole film. They click back and forth. Uh, Josh is chatting up the, uh, the um, coat girl, and he'll end up going home with her tonight. Nice. The worst she part is, is her name's uh, uh, Leanna Pay, and you might have seen her in Requiem for a Dream, Grand Theft Auto Three, The Siege in '98. She's she's been around. Okay. So she was in the video game Grand Theft Auto Three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why'd you run me over and take my prostitution right. money? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's in a skill in the uh you know one of those middle i, I never played had, that game but she you know, had a quest there was a quest you up. well you know she's you was, we always say that uh, actors and actresses in this movie and movies wind up being like the barista in other films but in hers you know the object was to get a cup of coffee <laughs> <laughs> it was well, part of the mission well here we go strip club we're at a strip yeah. a club I love this movie. There's no music in the background. They they spent their money at the at the strip club and they spent it on the Steve Miller song and they're done. There's no music. <laughs> what is she dancing to? She's grinding to something. She's not grinding to these guys talking. Right, I know. It's really a bad thing in the film that they don't have quietly some sort of dance music. It doesn't make sense. You know, there's you can get like a guy who will just like add slap music soundtrack to your movie, like you pay him fifty mm-hmm. bucks, and then you know you're. Yep. If I gave you a hundred dollars, you would be able to put a soundtrack in this movie, right? For, after an hour. Or well, so. it could be that I don't have my blah 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 card. You know what I mean? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to watch out for the blah 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 union. No, but you got to pay union wages if you're going to do a song. You've got to give them, you know, fifteen thousand dollars. I don't know what the deal is, but. So if you uh, did a soundtrack to this movie, oh, we should just have a common courtesy. We should make a, not only are we offering well, there a is, riff track, uh, but can we add like our there own? Is a, <clears throat> I am interrupting you. I'm so no. sorry. There is a soundtrack to this. Uh, that's what I did the poster from. Um, I should look at oh, that. how because... funny. Yeah, because like what songs are on this? I've, I heard no yeah. music. Look, we're going to play this the strip club scene. 
I like to grind it. I like to watch. Right? <laughs> and strip club music, they're always like, I want yeah. you to twerk. You should twerk your body. And then you're like, yeah, this is the most appropriate music. And then when you go home, you listen to it. You go, I miss the strip club. Where there was somebody twerking to this. The world is a wonderful place. Uh, here's the soundtrack. And there's Sex Machine with, by Katrina and the Waves. Caveman by Bongo Boys. Wow. Shake, Shaky Town by Little Feet. I guess they do have. Little Feet. I've heard of Little Feet. I haven't heard of Shaky yeah. Boys. No, no, Bongo Boys. Oh. You never heard, oh, you didn't hear of them? Are they like Oingo Boingo rejects? They're like, fuck you, Elfman. Right. Well, we're doing our Did own you hear, You've heard of Katrina and the Waves. Yeah, this, they have that one. They have another song, and it's on this soundtrack? Yeah. How That's they... what happens when you get a hit song. You get a little extra. You know? Yeah. We like to open with our B-side. Get to the hit. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's all right. right, guys. You, that's it. We we're out of here. What? Play your so hit, there. encore, encore. Okay, for an encore, we're gonna play our hit. That's it. Two songs. We're done. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you, Des Moines. Well, Cryer's getting naked. He could get arrested well, for that shit. He was saying like they're uh, these girls are being exploited, and you know, so they take him out of his comfort zone, and the bouncers throw him on the stage. The bouncers throw him on the stage? What kind of fucking yeah, bouncers? That sounds like, a, sounds like every comedy they're... club I've been into. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bouncer. Great. There's someone heckling. Okay, he's part of the show. No. Go kick him out. I got told to do that. It was Don Jameson's show. No, it wasn't. It was, um, well, anyway, I was part of like getting it all together and booking it, taking, making the ticket link and everything. And so my friend Jeff was like, kick him out. And I was like, I'm a bouncer. I mean, I'm going to go to a drunk guy. All right, mister. All right. <laughs> We've had enough. I mean, I'm five foot six. You know, I'm out of shape. <laughs> I, that's it. Right. I. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I was just helping. <laughs> Who was that show? It's somebody you've seen him. He's been in movies. He was on Crank Yankers. He was on Louie's show. Okay. He's well. got a voice like this. He always talks. So he made you go and kick someone out of his show. No, uh, my friend Jeff, who did the show with me, who booked the guy, yeah, he told me to kick out a guy. Good. Like, I'm not a bouncer. So what happened is four of them, you should see Jeff. He's the right guy to say, all right, buddy, let's go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have to, sometimes, uh, there's a great show called uh, Writers with Drinks. It's uh, uh, Charlie Jane Anders, who's been doing it for decades, and... Uh, I had a show and this woman came up to me and said, why don't you tell those people to be quiet like Charlie Jane Anders does? I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, you know, because that guy, yeah, I mean, Charlie Jane will go and, and tell you to shut up. So, uh, yeah, different strokes. It's hard. It's sometimes like with a bar and you're doing running a comedy show and there's talking, you can tell them to shut up. And if you're some good comics can, can make them shut up and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's a chaos monster because then there's a next wave and they're talking and you know, and right. talking breaks out and the comics are all talking. They're in this invisible green room in the back of the, by the stage mm -hmm. thinking that their words aren't talking. You know, people come over, like it takes a half hour to get to a show and, and people just talk over your set, the comics. Like, it's just, like, what was the point of coming over if you're going to talk over the show, so? Right. And I, I've, you know, I sound like a, 
wet blanket every single time I say it. Like, oh, come on. But seriously, you're talking over a show. It's You're in a bar. Right. There's no invisible force field holding you in a green room. You just happen to be at a bar, not buying a drink, yeah. talking over. Huddled around. Yeah. Not buying a drink. And then it's like, well, go outside. Okay. And you stand out right in front of the door. And you're talking even louder now. Because I know, because I could hear it. You know, it's whatever. It's a losing battle. That's one of the things, like, when I run a show, like, a lot of times it's the comedians talking. It's not the audience, you mm-hmm. know. And you tell them to be quiet and they get all pissy. But, you know, comics get pissed. They're on stage and someone is talking to your set and that someone is someone another comic. It's like, well, why? I think we bumped into a pet peeve. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Let's get And now back to our movie. <laughs> Okay, so we missed it, but he just, he saved a stripper who was choking on a thing of ice. And he, and so they're, you know, you're a hero, and see now they're under the Brooklyn Bridge. I yeah. told you everything was in Manhattan, but I, obviously not. We can see the trade towers. Oh, interesting. Maybe they're under Manhattan Bridge. Well, it's one of those bridges where everything is fuzzy behind them, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't, they're one of the few bridges without a toll. Oh, really? The Brooklyn Bridge? Anyway. Yeah, no toll. Huh. It's like any bridge or tunnel. No, that's not true because the Midtown Tunnel costs money. Well, because the East Coast, it's, it's not freeways like on the West Coast. It's it's mm-hmm. tollways and pikeways and, you know. Garden, yeah. Yeah. You got to pay every, every county way. Turnpike, Garden... State Parkway, you got to yeah. pay the money. And yeah. I just think it's kind of low life. I wish we had highway. a governor who was like, all right, well, we're going to increase everyone's taxes 14 cents and no more tolls. Wouldn't that be great? New Jersey yeah. without tolls? Mm hmm. Huh. I, I, what a vision. Toll you. To- uh, for whom the bell toll? We are missing this film, and that's okay. It's a hard film for your show because it's, it's a lot talky, of talking. Talky, 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 talky. Let's let's break down. Let's from... let's break down a conversation just so kids are here. So here they are. They're outside. Josh. Yes. She's married. So Josh is going after a married girl. But no, well, it's his sister. What do you even want to talk to him? Right now, they're talking about his. Uh, the guy on the left is the married with children. The guy on the right is the playboy. And oh. he's always been in love with the guy on the left's sister. Oh, and he's saying my sister's married. Is that the sister now? Right. No, uh, maybe. Oh, they're playing music behind this. It sounds like the Bongo Boys. <laughs> the Oingo Brothers. All right, yeah, this is a tough movie. I think this is a flashback to the sister who's saying goodbye to Josh. Oh, and, I see. And the husband or something. Wow, there's flashbacks in this movie? What's the point? Well, oh, flash forward. Hey, remember that time we were talking to each other? Flashback. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Flashback. Yeah. <laughs> what were you talking about? We were talking about uh, this flashback. The flashback again. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if I was telling you about a flash forward? Flash forward to the present. And that's what I was talking about. I've always thought it would be a nice vehicle for a a show to start with a flashback. And then, like, after eight minutes of that, they from there, they go to a flashback, you know. Yeah. And you keep going. I think... uh, I think a John Carpenter movie, the one that took place in Mars, had, like, a flashback within a flashback. Uh Uh-huh. The Ghost of Mars. It's been done. 
everything it, has been. It was pretty. It was pretty wild. It was pretty ballsy when I did it. And I, I now think, you recognize her face. Well, now they got the lights on. Jesus Christ! Uh, this is Kristen Scott. Kristen Scott Thomas, but I know her as uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. She oh, was in very... Mission Impossible, The Horse Whispers. She's yeah, been okay. Around. Yeah. She's got a snooty, snooty English voice, and she's so pretty. And what this little subplot is saying is, you know, he doesn't, you know, why would someone like her be interested in him? And right. he's married with children, but I mean, the chance to sleep with such a beautiful woman, and in the end, he won't take it, of course. Because he's married with children. Right. Yes. And he's a good guy. Yeah, he jerked off about her enough time and, and let her on for a long time, but he didn't do anything. <laughs> I got to tell you, as a man who's been married for 25 years, every chance you have an opportunity to hook up with a girl, uh-huh. that's enough. That's enough. It's it's as if I did it. I, I don't have to do it. Right. You know what I mean? I scored, <laughs> even though I don't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's as good to me as getting laid. Well, I, the, the court might disagree with you, but, you know, the judge. No, the but ju- every time you turn a person down for uh-huh. that, when you could have yeah. got that. I don't think I've like ever gotten that weeks, far. You feel like. Super husband. I don't think anything desolated where it was like, oh yeah, are you hitting on me? I think it's that by that <laughs> moment it's gone. I don't, you know, maybe someone made a mistake. You have never in all your years yeah. had a chance with a woman outside of your marriage. No. <laughs> well, okay, well, I've bumped into a few. Right. <laughs> it's your really super husband when you turn them down. It, oh yeah. It, it yeah. feels great. You scored and you didn't cheat. You know why no one talks to me? Because I have a wedding band. I wear at least I wear my wedding. You should wear your wedding band. Maybe people stop talking to you. <laughs> I wear it, of course. Yeah. All right. When you're going into the federal building, so you can take it off. In a second, fellas, don't rush me. <laughs> hey, yeah, I never take off my wedding ring. Why does the metal detector go off? I don't think uh, it's really metal, right? I mean, it's strange because I have to take my belt off when I, you know. Yeah. My keys. Things made of tin. Huh. That's weird. Have you seen these people with rubber? Um, Wedding bands? Uh, yeah. You seen that lately? That's kind of cool. It probably is better for your finger. <laughs> probably. In the long run. Doesn't leave I a have weird a mark welt. on my, you know, like yeah. and you're 25 talking, years so of pressure. Someone was going to go, hey, that guy's cute. And then they're going to look at your hand and they're going to see this big gaping welt where your <laughs> ring was. Was a second ago. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, and then you're like, oh, I can't. I don't know how to break this to you, but I happen to be a husband. Yeah, I figured that out. I saw your uh, pulsating finger. I'm sorry, let's go back to this movie, A Little Bedside Manor. Uh, yeah, okay, so he had a chance with uh, the English designer, and he didn't uh, go for it, so now we're meeting his wife, who he's just carried to bed. She fell asleep on the... Uh, she was in Dante's Peak. She was in Seinfeld. Oh, and she's off the camera now. Oh, wait. Is this a different couple fucking? Yeah, this is the one who was in Grand Theft Auto 3. This oh. is Josh who who got to take home the coat check girl. And now he's getting a phone call from Phil's distraught sister who he's had a crush on. And she's like, can I come over? And she, he's like, ting, you got to go. Wow, yeah, when the moment comes. That's the that's what the pomp of love is. I want to mention something that Carl and I uh, we are we surfed the zeitgeist. Uh, not only did we have a podcast, but twenty odd years ago, 
we had a public access uh, TV show. Yeah. And before one of the, the internet. Before the internet on New Jersey public access called Fish Burgers. And one of the sketches right. we did was we took a bunch of love songs and we changed the word <laughs> love to drugs. Mm-hmm. Can't forget, won't regret what I what did, I did for, for drugs. drugs. What I did for, did for drugs. Everybody know what I did. So I thought of that when I saw the pompous <laughs> of drugs as a movie. Do you remember Tainted Drugs? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> tainted Drugs. Oh, sweet drugs. We did one where we went, if I could put drugs in drugs a bottle. In a bottle. First thing I want to do is share none is for give you. None to you. <laughs> Remember you slipped on the banana peel? Yeah, well, I was eating a banana while singing. Like, and then I, I slipped on it. That was very clever of me. Okay, you know what? After the show, I'm going to take that one and put it on the Fish Burgers channel. Yeah, that's a good one. Best love drug song. On the wings of drugs. <laughs> Only the two of us could ever get so high. <laughs> So this is the Joker. This is the Steve Miller song. And you know, the pompadus of drugs. What we're seeing right now is how needy and emotional uh, John Cryer is. Yeah, he's Pryor calling baby. her up. Can I come over? I mean, only if you really want me to come over. Yes, come over. Are you just saying that because you want... I did because I don't want to pressure you. He's, he's really... He's so John Cryer in this. Uh, oh, he's vulnerable and... He's addicted to sweater vests. John Cryer always does the thing where he's like explaining himself, but but like explaining himself. But don't get me wrong, because I'm explaining myself. Right. You know, have you seen the show American Dad, the cartoon show? Mm-hmm. One of the yeah. car- so Curtis Armstrong plays, who's known as Booger in uh, Revenge of Nerds. He plays uh-huh. a character named Snot, and one <laughs> of the characters of American Dad's wife has a friend played by John Cryer, and his name is Quacky. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, he's Quacky. That's not true. Oh, it's not funny, right? No, yeah. it's very funny. It's not funny. Well, it's Booger. Yeah, that's Booger, and it's not funny. Oh, it's not funny. It's not funny. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, he's on the phone. Okay, he's calling. Okay, he's 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 a writer, and he's got a chance to go out to L.A. and pitch a movie. So Ooh. he's calling up his old girlfriend, which he swore he wouldn't do, and everyone said don't do. And he's getting the uh, answering machine, you know, that typical thing, leaving a lot of messages. Oh, right. Well, that, you know, I would every time I'd leave a message, i go, man, I wonder if someone can make a movie where there's a scene where a guy <laughs> leaves phone. I would pay money to see that scene. No, but it's like the, the like over hi it's me again right you know. well if you edit it in a funny way then you'll see him oh i think it's the montage oh no he's doing it again i i'm doing it again and i'm rubbing my eye this time oh so this guy is waking up without a girl by his side right where is there a girl by? no uh, there's a girl what happened is he wasn't able to do it and it's because he doesn't use a condom ever. And she, she's like, it happened to a lot of guys. It's very... I wasn't being racist there. They're the racist ones. Oh, because Now, here we're, we're having one of those scenes where it explains to the I camera again. I know sex and death are, you know, according to Freud. But they're real related and everything. But the second you go to make love, there's this, you know, there's this thought suddenly. Like, hey, can't... Are these all Dax Shepherds? Look at that. 
I don't get the reference. Charlie Murphy. That was Charlie Murphy. And you know, yep. the remotest that possibility is still it's there. This shadow looming. It's this very unsightly that begins to kind of, you know, dominate. Ooh, this is thrilling. This it indicates well, act two. They were all giving their opinions about having sex. You know, Carl, this follows my movie rules of writing movies. Act one, uh, nothing happens. Act two, uh, <laughs> nothing happens. And then finally, act three. Well, if it's your movie rules, then you followed all the rules. Yeah, followed by act four. There's four acts in this. Nothing happens. Oh, man. Is he having regrets? No, he's having No, he peaceful. just got that phone call I was telling you oh, about. Right. So he's got to kick out King. Because, uh, oh, here she is, and she has a black eye. Oh, no. That's right. The husband hit her. Uh, she is really, she's best known as April O'Neil in Teenage Mutant Ninja yes. 2. Uh-huh. Yeah, Turtles and Trapped in Time or whatever. And uh, just, yeah, and she was in The Secret of the Ooze. In it, it looks like the, she got to keep the trench coat from those movies because he's wearing it in this movie. Did now, she have a good trench coat? That he was with a girl because her pink bra, I guess she forgot to put it on when she was running out of the... <laughs> yeah. She ran out, huh? Uh, here's some. This is actually funny. I can't see it. It's, it's really hard for me to see. It's toilet paper. Why? Oh, it's just the uh, the monitor I'm looking at is pretty pit darkish. Oh, well, okay. This guy punches the wall, you see, and he's got it marked 1989 when Paige left. You know, oh, I thought it was like when, yeah. here I sit broken hearted type of like bathroom wall humor. Here it's, it's, I sit. It's living room. Broken hearted, tried to shit, but it was explosive diarrhea and it was a real mess. And I apologize. <laughs> and I'm still sitting, and that's why I'm running on the wall. No, you should have lend, ended it with the word that rhymed with arding. Oh, uh, tarded. Arded, arded. Warded. Zarded? <laughs> Yarded. Uh, explain to people. See, that, that, I remember that from uh, the pay toilets. Explain to people how pay toilets came and left us like within the space of two years. Well, the problem is, is that if you want to have like anonymous sex in the bathroom stall, you really can't, you know, you have to factor in a quarter to, to open the stall and then write down the time and, and location right. to be at. I always have in my wallet a condom and a quarter. <laughs> right, just in case you get to a pay toilet. Well, I'll just tell everybody. Sometime was it the nineties? Uh, yeah, it was. All of a sudden, there started to be a yeah a, a coin that you, to, you would put a quarter in to go crap. Yeah, open the stall. And it was just such a ridiculous thing that everyone just rejected it and laughed it away, and and the the pay stalls disappeared. Yeah, I'm trying to think where it would be. It would be obnoxious to have a pub. If you're serving food, people have the right to take a shit. Right. Yeah. It would be, and also it would be in like um, uh, bus terminals and yeah, train bus station. Terminal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, John Cryer's girlfriend, who he's about to like move into a house with, is 
is getting second thoughts and cold feet. She's having, you know, uh, this, she's a remarkable woman. She was in the Boston ballet for four years. Um, what's great about her is being a dancer as an actress. She, I don't know. She was in all the Dr. Doolittle films. Uh, there's a lot of Dr. Doolittle movies. Yeah. There's three of them. Right. She did all three. Damon Wayans with uh, bulletproof. Yeah. She did all three, but this is the one that Mike Spiegelman would care about. She starred in an HBO TV movie called Tyson as Robin Givens. Nice. Oh boy. Must be brutal. Oh, here we go. A little talk of the street. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you sure this is Taxi Cab Confessions on HBO? Because I don't want to waste my time talking to your camera. Yeah, yeah, we're He's HBO. He's in Washington Square Park, see? Yeah, this is where we bought shitty weed. That's I brought right. it back on the bus in New Jersey only to find out it's stems and seeds. Seeds and stems, yeah. You yeah. get about, uh, I guess, a half your pinkies amount of pot for $10. And this is New York City with the multiple movie houses? Well, this was before Giuliani, so there was pornography. Oh, right. Wait a second. Am I wrong? When no, it was 95. Giuliani? Oh, Giuliani. Well, maybe that was the last of. Yeah. Well, the thing about, like, slacker movies is that they, things are a little anarchistic. I mean, you can still smoke everywhere. They have phones and... Uh... Yeah. Meg Tilly cameo. Oh, wow. You owe us, Telly. Okay, I'll do your film, Cryer. You know what her behavior is, of course. It's always like uh, Jennifer Tilly. She's like, I'm a silly, silly person. Oh, she's great in the Chucky movies where she plays herself. And then she's, <laughs> really? yeah, and she becomes the evil doll. I never saw the Chucky movies. Oh, the Chucky movies are great. And there's a, a new child's play where it's not a Chucky. It's a... An evil AI. It's not a spirit. Of, it's not a ghost of a serial killer. It's like technology gone amok. Uh-huh. The original ones, the films got more and more unhinged. Where like there was the cult of Chucky. There was like the bride. She was bride of Chucky. Right, bride of Chucky. Mm-hmm. And then there was the kid that was seed of Chucky. <laughs> so, do you recommend that I put the original Chucky in my Netflix queue just nostalgically <sighs> to watch? I mean, I've never. You know, I saw. I recently saw Child's Play too, and it was all right. You know, it's fine. It's not. The first one's kind of scary. The doll's a little too big for a doll, but it's a scary movie. You know. Well, then, I mean, it just always seemed dumb to me, and I don't like uh, horror it, films, so I never. It gets a little crazy. Time. Like the what gets interesting is the bride of the seed of the cult of. And then keep so I'd have to invest in a series. Yeah. You know what it is? is this one guy came up with it, and he's been holding on to this property. He's been cranking out these strange films where, you know, Jessica Tilly plays herself, and uh, Jennifer Tilly plays herself. And, and then so wait, the, she played she played Jennifer Tilly, yeah. the human being Jennifer. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she she becomes a doll. Like, she's she's the bride. It's very strange. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of fun to watch. But... I don't know. I mean, if you haven't invested in it, I don't know if you want to go up and watch six of these movies in a row and I'll come all up to speed. I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we just missed Ferris Bueller's Day Off Girlfriend. Oh, uh, Chica Chica. What? Uh, let's see. Uh, Stacy. No. Uh, she's all like, wow, Cameron, your friend's crazy. My boyfriend's nuts. <laughs> 
why don't I find her listing? <clears throat> okay, here it is. It's Mia Sarah is her name. Okay. Mia Sarah. Now, she was in Time Cop. She was in Legend. She's been around, but really it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's how we know her. And Pompous of Love. And Pompous of Love. Do you remember when there was like a big panic that people have cell phones on the airplane they all talk at once? And that these like expensive cord phones that are on the back of uh, every chair was just a gateway towards, you know, using your cell phone on the... But no one really uses their cell phone on the airplane, like to talk on the phone. No, you're not allowed. You are allowed to buy the local Wi-Fi. You're also allowed to play with it in airplane mode, but you're not allowed to have the cellular on. It, they, they lie to us and say that it messes up the radio frequency of the plane I don't know it, but no one no one breaks that protocol like it is definitely an unwritten rule no one goes you know what fuck this I'm going to talk on the phone you know I don't know if you can get a signal up there Mike because it's cell towers right and right. they are way below oh, oh I see I get you I, I never understood that mm-hmm. so when you're on the airplane you're above the cell towers and then you're you can't make a phone well, call well yeah if you're like at 30,000 feet or at 14,000 feet, I mean, you know, how, how tall is a cell tower? I mean, it looms over our little heads, but it's, 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 it's down on the ground with the buildings. You can't. Yeah. I would say they're like eight apples tall. If you're a Smurf, I mean, that's a lot. That's pretty high up. Wow. Yeah. So here's Ferris Bueller day off. Girl. She's a uh, grown, right? 95. And then, Ferris Bueller was in eighty seven. Well, oh, was that right? It was that long. I I I didn't look. Um, no, I yeah, think, it doesn't yeah. have dates on here. Maybe eighty six films. Wow, that was a pretty good film. You know, well, it's it's a film that I've seen a million. Like, uh, if you ask me what film I've seen the most, it'd probably be Ferris Bueller. But I never laughed really? once. I mean, it's a fun, I've, really? I've, I've I like, yeah, I just never laughed. I never went ha ha the car park. Do you guys remember when he was he had the synthesizer and he was making up the yeah. coughing noises, like throwing up sound? That wasn't that. Didn't I didn't laugh. Your... I, I didn't lull. I just uh, I never. I mean, I liked it. I watched it re- repeatedly. <laughs> I've seen it a hundred million times. With Ferris Bueller. Did, did you remember when the principal was at the baseball game? Yes. And he was like, what's the score? Zero, zero. And you're so occupied with finding Ferris. He goes, who's winning? <laughs> right. No. You didn't laugh at No, but, I thought that was funny. I just didn't laugh. I laughed at What vacation. about when the principal is going home on the bus, on the yellow school bus? You didn't think that was... Hey, yeah, and he gets offered a gummy or the worm. <laughs> Okay, so here he is at a rich Hollywood person's Finally, house. Finally, get out of And we're seeing York. the ridiculousness of Hollywood as this is a real dress she's wearing. Because everybody is nowadays. They're... That was metal. Wow, that's... Uh... Oh, that's the problem with that dress. Wow, this is well shot. They just had a camera in the house and they just roll it back. Yeah, you see their faces are all dark. Yeah. This was low budget. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means as I didn't look up the stats of. Do you think Pryor had like the power to be like, hey, buddy, let's make a movie? And well, like, this was the first independent film he made with this uh, Shankman. And uh, they went on to make um, 
Uh, there's one called Went to Coney Island on a Mission from God, Be Back at Five. Um, there's uh, the other ones aren't jumping out at me right now, but John Cryer and him went on to make like three or four independent films, uh, some of which did get picked up. Name me a John Cryer movie. We we have uh, Ocean Stiggs, right? We have the John, the John Hughes movies. Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> O.C. and Stiggs. O.C. and Stiggs, yeah, okay. O.C. and Stiggs. So let's see, we got O.C. and Stiggs. Pompous of Love. Pompous of, of Love. love. Uh, he, you know, he was in Pretty in pink. pink. He was in Pretty in Pink. He was in Pompous of Love. We should include mm-hmm. that. And oh, O.C. and Stiggs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. The one was on our show, O.C. and Stiggs. So that's a pretty big, pretty big uh, filmography. So what's happening here is he's telling his story. It's like we're seeing how ridiculous the Hollywood producer is. Oh. So he's pitching them on so stuff. I'll tell you what I've got. Charles Bronson. I know. You can't believe it, right? I finally got him to do TV, but it's an nice. exchange. Charles Bronson. So now it's Charlie Bronson with kids. Kindly old Uncle Chuck. Give it to Yeah, him. he's trying to spitball with them. And... I would love to see a Charles Bronson uh, sitcom. Yeah, kindergarten cap, cop, kind of. Yeah. With all the kids. Death Wish season two. <laughs> I told you to sit down. <laughs> I gotta make wee wee. Which one are you dating? Him? Daddy, stop making the gun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, stop pulling out the. So my kid went out as Breaking Bad on Halloween and he had a little fake gun. Oh, so yeah. The- the whole day after, I would just keep it holstered in my belt. You know what I mean? And like, I heard a, hear a noise, and my hand would go to it. And then, oh, okay, it's all right. Like, I just wore it all day. Oh yeah, you were my nervous. My wife is like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, you think you're funny? You I think hope, you're funny? This I hope is you for protection. The, Shut up, woman. I hope you learned the lesson that if you did have a gun in your house, you would probably pull it, right? Because you had it. You had the gun. It was in your holster, and you kept. I would definitely it. pull it. I would walk the around with it in a holster. Honey, you need to put the gun in the lockbox when you're walking around the house. I paid good money for this holster, and I'm going to get some use out of it. When am I going to walk around with a holster? I can't go to the fucking mall with a holster and a gun. So I always spin the gun, but I make sure I have the safety on. This one time, you know, I was, didn't have the safety on. I had to explain. There's a hole in the floor. I had to explain to my... That really so happened? No, I don't even own a gun for real. <laughs> Actually, I own a deer rifle that hasn't seen a bullet since 1964. It was my father's. Who You know my father. He was not the kind of guy to shoot a gun. Right. He got it at some, I don't know. He was in the Navy, and he got like, so I have a stock uh, rifle that's fake for, you know, when you're doing your drills and swinging the rifle. And then I have this deer hunting rifle. It's a twenty. 28, 22, is that what you call it? I, I don't know. Yeah, oh, 22 yeah. and 38, right? It's a 22. And um, my friend Sonny says we could oil it up and clean it, and it could probably fire, but no thanks. I, I don't want to. Well, I mean, don't you have deer in, in your neck of the woods? You could shoot. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, you could shoot them. No, but the thing is, you could just open the window and the screen and shoot them from our house. Yeah. Well, you know, I like to neg him. I like to say, like, you're a worthless deer. If I was you, I would shoot myself. And I would just leave the gun there, you know? 
See if the deer yeah, shoots itself. Yeah. Uh, hey, so that's now, Mad Chinese Theater. Don't, that's not fucking New York. That's pre-Giuliani <laughs> L.A. So he's calling up the girl he met on the on the uh, plane, and he's got to. He's telling them how badly the meeting with the producer went, you know, and he doubts that he'll get the job or whatever. And she's like, "I'm busy," and hangs up. That's oh, that's Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. He's on the phone in his mean, car, and she's on. She talks to the phone like sideways. It's a very nineties way. But I mean, if he oh Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy. But if they if she had just if he had said like it went great, I I, I have a second meeting on right. tomorrow, and she would have been going out with him that night. Uh, yeah, and then you would say, I got to prepare myself for nothing tomorrow, so uh, I got to get going. Nothing's happening. Oops. He's a. Um, we're not watching him now, but he's like the poet writer guy. He was in Stargate in 2005. Uh, no, real no, movie? he was in the television series yeah. Stargate SG One in 2005. Tom Tommen was the character he played, and that's really as big as he he got. Well, there must be some Stargate one, SG One fan who's like, "Yeah, fuck yeah." That's right. I oh, never knew this? he did this. What happened? Oh, it's a TV within the yeah, movie. We're on the TV, yeah. And there is Squiggy. Oh. We're making fun of. He's watching a sitcom that the guy he met with produces, and that's the thing. It's so bad. And oh, right. It even has Michael McEwen. Yeah. So this is that's their cameos, by the way. Yeah. A lot of cameos in this uh, film, much of which we've burnt through now. Who's the other guy? On TV, uh, it's uh, Squiggy. Oh, Lenny and Squiggy! Wow. It's it's okay. It's Lenny. It's Lenny. It's right. Lenny. It's the guy who was in Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lenny. The guy who was in um, uh, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah, Spinal Lenny. Tap. Lenny. So good in that film. Lenny, right? Yeah. The Lone Wolf. The One Wolf. One Wolf. But then Laverne was kind you enough that, to right? embroider all the... See, that's what I'm saying. Like, that reference is gone. Just give it up. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, find a different reference. Right. Nobody listening to us right now, No, if I said the one wolf, you'd laugh. Yeah, because I got it. They, he asked for a shirt that said Lone Wolf, and they said One Wolf. So Laverne, a couple episodes later, embroiled a big L on her. Right, with the Laverne L, right. Yeah, Laverne L. Nobody, yeah, that's another one. Laverne L, nobody gets it. Yeah, but there's other things we could talk about. They'll be around for a while. So on the left, that's Phil's wife, and she was in Dante's Peak. She was in Seinfeld once. They're watching the same sort of sitcom, right. and the kids are loving it, and that's kind of the joke. That's the level of dumbness, this producer. Oh, here, it's Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you must have been, like, thrilled on this scene. Well, it's his, like, fantasy of him in Hollywood. Hey, Phil, Well, See, why did he fall in the pool? That's the lazy writing thing to do. No, but the lazy writing thing is that he would actually fall asleep and spill something on his shirt, and he'd be like, ah, oh, whatever, and his kid's like, whatever. <laughs> the kid spilled it. The kid spilled it. Oh, right. It's saying, family life's not all it's cracked up to be. Well, his shirt so looks now dry now. Now call the English... Uh... <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
Why does he have his phone number? That's bad. You shouldn't have got her. Shouldn't have got her it's number. It's a business card. That's his excuse. It's a business card. Oh, well, so that's why I held on to her number. I'm a great dad. I'm making dinner. Who here likes hamburger no. helper without the hamburger? No. No one. That is Josh, and he's a oh. womanizer, and he's making dinner to impress a girl. Oh, got to make sure you got met out that wine. Now drink from the bottle, look both ways. Yeah, just pour <laughs> a little more in there. There you go. That's called acting. Um, he was in uh, Carlito's Way. Well, he should have said, well, called- yeah. Yeah, I mean, Carlito kept saying, come on, move. It was totally in Carlito's way. It was in Carlito's way uh, for that whole film. Yeah. Um, there was a TV series called Prophet. Did you ever hear that? Oh, was he the star of Prophet? Yeah, he plays yeah, the Jim devil. Yeah, Prophet. Joey Prophet. And then uh, he he directed a feature film called Cement, which I haven't heard of. I haven't heard of it. But I, I am familiar with the actor. He he is He does act a lot. So now it's the, um, the uh, you know, she's getting distant and he's so spongy that he's really freaking out. And she's, he's nervous about, uh, she's nervous about moving in. They're going to be homeowners. They're not even married. Yeah. Uh, Radical. He's so spongy, though. He is. I mean, that's fine if you live in the sea, but, you know, live with a sponge. What? <laughs> SpongeBob. Oh, here we go. Oh, would, would, would you rather I was an asshole? No, I just, you're just all sticking to me. God, don't be so sensitive all the time. Oh, you'd rather I hit you? I would rather I was in the room with... What? God, I feel like I'm fighting a giant sponge. Oh, oh or would you rather I was some Cro-Magnon man beating his chest with so one hand while sticky. I drag you around by your hair by the other? I mean, that what? might be fun. Oh, don't tempt me. Something's got to. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, talkie talkie, yeah, it's a, rela- a lot of this, a lot of relationship. Uh, this is the point where I say, oh, this is my floor, I need to get out of the elevator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've seen this film a bunch of times. Well, I mean, this is the whole film, so it's strange when there's a, I mean, part of the romantic comedy is that, you know, someone falls in love, but doesn't match their career, that their, their, their right. life dreams, mm-hmm. and they say, yes, it's, uh, I'm going to spend my life with them. So they have a life, so they have to do other things than just talk about ro- their, ro- you know. Yeah, he's a therapist, and she has an interesting backstory that's kind of not believable. She was like a performance artist, and yeah. one thing she did was make up a line of clothing called Unwearable. And it would be like uh, missing a sleeve, and what? you know, it's kind it's of unwearable. jokey. Like, yeah, the 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 pants it would only have one leg, and it would be too short, or, or yeah, one leg would be short, and the other would be regular size. And so, people thought it was funny, and they started. There she is making her clothes. People started wearing unwearable. She started selling a few as a joke, and. It turned, you know, like, I don't know, models started liking it. And now she has a little career. So where does she sell it? At her own boutique? Yeah, she. that's right. She has a boutique called Unwearable in which she makes things. And um, you don't go in there and there's a line of clothes and do you have it in this size? She makes like one of each. Wow. And well, God bless her. Good for it to write. Well, it's fake, Mike. It's, it's a script. It's yeah. fake. I just don't. My head hurts. How can you afford to have a store like that? And she's talking to us on the camera. Oh, she is. Holy talking shit! About her problems. He's screaming with, uh, all the time, and his face is like. I thought she was just talking to the mannequins. I didn't realize it was talking to us. God, how rude! 
of me. Yes, you were saying? I was talking over your movie and you were talking to me. Hey guys, stop talking over our movie is what they say. Do you ever watch Real Sex on uh, HBO? Uh, Which ones have you seen? Real Sex 1, Real Sex 2, Real Sex 3, Real Sex 4, Real Sex 5. They have these scenes where they talk to couples that just happen to be walking, having a LARF in New York City. And they're like, hey, you guys do it up the ass? What? Oh, well, you know, we titter, titter, titter. And uh, that's what these little segments feel like to me. <laughs> well, they uh, they advance the, the plot. Is it you know, like, I don't know. Like when Harry Met Sally, which I haven't seen, but it has like couples talking about couple things in between it, right? Um, except there are stars, yeah. Oh, there's our stars is older, but isn't there like a movie where they they talk to couples and they're like, oh, I always never on at the first the beginning, day. At the beginning of when Harry met Sally, and at the end of, I, I think at the end, they do that. They're they're recounting. Oh yeah. I saw her in the ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> I I knew he was the one. Uh, all right, so this is okay, a Playboy. So he made a big romantic dinner. Look, he's looking up and down the street. I left it. Oh, are they going to make out now? What about dinner? They're going to do it. Dinner? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your third course. Oh, here's a song. Here is a lone song from this movie. It's just John Cryer on a guitar. It's actually the roommate watching playing guitar. I'm in the room. So this is the big thing that he's always wanted to do and not supposed to do, and she finally, he has the chance to do it because she's the... Uh, Oh, right. Having problems with... Right. She was married, but it was bad, bad married, so now they can do it. You see how John Cryer just folded up his clothes that he took yeah, off? I and watched what she'll do. Lump. It's showing their differences. Really? I always hold up my clothes before sex. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I don't think they're going to have sex. I think they're going to bed. Oh. I think those two are sexless right now. Meanwhile, our Playboy. <laughs> you should have some uh, my dinner. I poured wine in it. <laughs> I measured the exact amount of wine. And then I did a splash because, you know, hey. Oh, there's the married guy. I'm not getting sex right. at all. Who was born in Passaic, New Jersey, by the way. Oh, good for him. He was in the Equalizer. He was uh, a regular on Law & Order. Equalizer, the Denzel Washington movie, or the the TV, British TV show, the show with the British guy. The Equalizer was 1985, so I yeah, guess so it was, was Edward Packard. Yeah. See, there's another reference no one gives a shit about. Right. But and people remember Ferris. Ferris Bueller. Okay. Day. Now she is the one who was supposed to get the dinner with the wine, and he's not answering the bell. Oh, and because... so even though. You see how pretty she was? She had her flower. Yeah. The director's showing us this guy's doing the wrong thing. Breaking hearts and smelling farts. 
<laughs> That's the Carl way. <laughs> Carl way, not Carlitos. Not Carlitos way. I was in Carlitos way. Yeah, I was walking Manhattan. I was listening to these people in Carl's way. <laughs> Step aside. You, you were really young. You were Carlito. Wow. Oh, so I, that was the Pokemon, Carlitos and Carlitas. Oh, are we having some post-coital talking? Uh, this is uh, the husband and uh, wife. They're too and exhausted. They're, they're too married to have sex. Well, he's saying, like, on the weekend, I'm going to this house. I have an independent contract. And really, it's the English uh, architect lady. And it's like he's setting himself up, like, I'm going to have an affair. And then she's like thinking to herself you know like hey something's up here and now she's getting all kissy kissy oh <laughs> like they're dating he's like, like oh, I gotta keep my I gotta, man I gotta go to bed oh by the way I'm I'm gonna fuck extramaritally on Monday so I'll be home late oh, oh what um, no not if I make out with you now right the right woman the unsolvable the hell knows more talking to the camera oh hear me too Hamburger. No, no. Hamburger. Hamburger. Stop yelling hamburger to the camera. <laughs> well, no. Right now they're talking about who is the perfect woman for them. But these are all the characters in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. There's our married guy. There's our playboy. There's our needy sponge. There's our hippie artist guy. And you know what? There's our needy like, sponge. When you find the woman you do want, you'll have the same list. But you'll want her anyway. I get it. This movie. I want to know what makes the moon change faces. How, how now, come this I... is a flashback to... The... What's that? Oh, I was just wondering how I became friends with them. Like, why are they talking to me? I don't... I, how did I wind up with those guys as friends? <laughs> right. It is kind of weird they're even friends with each other, the way they're from different walks of life. They didn't yeah. go to college together. They're not in high school together or something like that. And they don't know each other through, like, their church. You know, it's kind of weird how they're friends. Yeah. So right now we're having, the writer's having a flashback about when Catherine used to love him. And just before he moved to L.A. And so now he's going to be stupid and desperate. Oh, see the videotape? Yeah. The videotape. She, he's going to be stupid and desperate and go to the uh, Catherine, who's married and on a beach house in Malibu. And be like, you and me forever. That's just crazy. No, but it's stupid. He walks into her bedroom with the sleeping husband. Oh. Yeah, that's and a And then li- that acts like an asshole out on the beach. He takes off his clothes. This is why I'm not rich. I would just hate having these guys break into my Malibu home. Smart. Smart. See, he's over. I mean, it's it's a criminal act. He's broken in. Yeah. He's like yelling over the husband who's sleeping in bed. Now, I don't know why she doesn't go, wake up, honey. An ex-boyfriend is in my... Yeah, he broke into my house. Right. Instead, she's like, you'll wake him up. Like, keep this as a secret thing, which doesn't make sense. Well, maybe because She's not having an affair with him and got to keep it Right, that's something you do in an affair. She was in Fletch. I think you like that film. I do. I didn't like the the porn version, Felch. Oh. She was in Tombstone, Fast Food Nation, Parkland. 
I said, I like fascination. I've seen that. What do you expect for something like 99 cents? It was fast food and aid, a nation, a fascinating, fast food and aid, fast, um, yeah, there's no fast, fun in there. Yeah. It's a fascinating film, uh, fun you're trying to do. So he's like, that's you and I run away, whatever. And she's like, it's over. It's been over. Keep feeling fast food nation. Move it, move it. Moving on. Keep feeling fast food nation. Nobody would know that again, right? Live it, learn it. Love so strong. So strong. (laughs) And so the conversation turns. Until the sun went down. So quirky and awkward, right? Yeah. On that day. I know, like, what were they talking about? Fascination. I'm going to look that up. I like that. Fascination. Human League is good. I like the Human League. Keep feeling. Human League, right. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of those great names. You know, like, they might be giants. There's, like, some bands out there. Well, I mean, to be fair, they might be giants, besides being a uh, uh, Don Quixote reference. Uh, it's it's based on a George C. Scott movie called They Might Be Giants where a guy thinks oh. he's, he's fighting windmills in Central Park. Oh, and that ties into Don Quixote. Yeah. See, he's getting naked now to show how much he's serious. He broke into her house in Malibu. She's... Goodbye. By the way, that was a cameo. Her husband's Malibu Ken. <laughs> Good one. For the Simpsons. Come on, let me in. My balls, Ken. my balls are turning blue and cold and shriveling. They're your balls, Josh. <laughs> uh, here we go. Let's hear what she has to say. A naked guy on a beach. That's all you need to hear. Is that Ooh, Jennifer again? He had some sort of accident. Look at his butt. It's got a crack right down the middle. <laughs> I guess Don't he had an accident. That. Yeah. Listen, my sponsor doesn't want me to look at that crack. Crack is whack, man. There he is. I've been jerking off in this ocean for a half hour now. Is he going to talk to the camera? Next step, Stargate TV show. Oh, he's going in the water. Uh, Looking for the script. So it's the Pacific, so I have no experience. If he did that in Jersey, he'd be like, oh, it's so cold. Uh, yeah, who today to save? Probably. If, it was, if it's the San Francisco Bay Area, it would definitely be freezing. The, the thing is, the Atlantic Ocean, like, slopes off and slowly descends. But the Pacific Ocean, there's, like, some sort of shelf, right? And it... And it, if you swim out far enough, it just drops into an abyss. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So here's the English lady, and she's talking. Okay, they're all going to talk to us. It's the woman's right. perspective. It's the woman's side. Oh, finally. So we're having the wife versus the potential affair person. <laughs> 